After inviting Patrick Thomas over to his house to hang out with himself and Caroline A. Bear Guidry, Jimmy Dean Keen soon discovers the experience of Patrick a little baked is very different from that of Patrick sober. When Jimmy himself gets ripped, he typically slows down inside, sort of wants to melt into the sofa if he's sitting down. It's a struggle for him to get up or feel motivated to do anything more than relax. But Patrick, on the other hand, maybe it's also the coffee he keeps making for them, but he periodically leans forward with his elbows on his knees. His long, elegant fingers keep moving, twitching, toying lightly with his other fingers. He starts to get a bit passionate about whatever they're talking about. And when this begins, they are talking about his current project. <coughs> no man, you're good. It always hits me like that too. <clears throat> so, a whole album about a cult? <coughs> Patrick holds up an index finger, so Caroline assists him. Yeah, the Heaven's Gate cult. Which one was that? Was that the one with the aliens. Well, come again. So, an eccentric man convinced 38 other people to combine a lethal dose of phenobarbital in applesauce and commit suicide so their souls might transcend to the level above human and they might travel aboard a spaceship concealed in the tail of Hale-Bopp Comet. Jimmy doesn't know how to respond to this. Yeah, like we all do. Who doesn't want that? Wait, so when was this? 1997, in... I believe it was the mansion. Patrick turns to Caroline. Um... La Jolla, California. Oh, yeah, that's outside San Diego. Wait, 97? Wait, it was all over the news. Well, Jimmy itches the back of his neck. Uh, if it was in 97, I was, um, doing other things. <laughs> kind of preoccupied. You can still go to their website. Far as I know, it's still running. Oi, <laughs> for the given value of that. Hold up, so this was an internet cult? Well, yeah, I guess a lot of them was tech nerds and, like, web developers and stuff. That's part of the way they made money to keep supporting their cult. See, this is why I don't trust the internet. It also appealed quite a bit to sci-fi aficionados. I believe one of the deceased was related in some way to Uhuru from Star Trek. Yeah, I know who that is. Also, a lot of them was gay. Oi, like the cult leader. Wow, alright, so a bunch of gay sci-fi nerds use the internet to meet some guy who got them all to kill themselves. Yeah, great. 
excellent use of technology. He's being facetious. Patrick looks at him a moment, but is immediately able to tell. They all dressed alike? What fetching, marching sweatsuits? Yeah, and them white and black Nikes? Those are pretty fresh, I ain't gonna lie. Then they all had matching bowl cuts. And a bunch of them even castrated themselves. What? Jimmy's maybe glad he's a bit stoned for this, because it mutes his reaction somewhat. But he's also addled enough that this makes absolutely no sense. They cut off their own nuts. Yeah. And just like that, too, they even did it at home. I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry. If I recall, some of them had it done in hospital, and some did not. But they ended up going to hospital afterward. Uh, yeah. Jimmy has to pinch his upper lip, look away, viscerally feeling this. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you're ready to go ahead and castrate yourself, then you might as well go on to commit suicide. Why not? Well, I think you've got that exactly the opposite way around. I believe they all decided far in advance to commit suicide, and then once you've accepted you're going to do that, then why not castrate yourself? No use in keeping it, then. Yeah, it's not like they was allowed to have sex anyhow. Wow. Uh. This dude must have had some pull. Well, to be honest, I do find him quite interesting. Not that I would have followed him across the continent, changed my name, adopted his fashion sense, cut off me nuts and killed myself, but from a distance. Yeah, he's one of the few cult leaders I actually think was kind of interesting. Like, Jim Jones and the rest of them, pretty much just megalomaniacs, and this guy, um, Patty. Marshall Applewhite. Yeah. He was too, but he was an interesting guy. You get the sense that if something hadn't gone wrong there, he might have turned out alright. Had like a niche performance troupe or something off-Broadway. The Unarians are doing a similar thing, and she's not trying to get everybody to kill themselves. They just want to hang out and do art. Dress up in costumes and that. They're in California as well, then. Is there something in the water? Uh, yeah. Jimmy does not explain how he knows. He's trying to get his thoughts in order. So, you made a whole album of songs about this? I re-recorded one, yes. Alright. That's ambitious. I want to hear this. Oh, well, I've left the original and my copies run mine. But I'm sure we might arrange something. Then, without Jimmy even really being aware of it, Time has passed. Caroline and Patrick have gone next door to Caroline's, 
returned with a few vinyl records and a sound mixing board. Hooked the mixing board up to the sound system that's built into Jimmy's living room. They're missing one cable. Caroline's standing over Patrick's shoulder. It's a standard auxiliary input jack. Oh yeah, I got an aux cable next door. It's plugged into that Poly 6. I'll go get it. I'll be right back. She pats Patrick's shoulder, smiling cheerfully, bops back out to get her cable. Jimmy watches Patrick fiddling with this setup, says, You know, now the weather's heating up. I'm planning on having some pool parties. You should come over and DJ for them. Patrick turns his head to look at Jimmy over his shoulder, very clearly extremely skeptical, but maybe because of the marijuana's influence, he comes right out and says what he's thinking. Are you having me on? What? I think it's rather more likely that I would join a UFO cult than be called upon to DJ a swimming pool party. (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about, man. You're serious about joining a UFO cult? No. Absolutely not. I don't know, man. I think you're cool. Patrick again looks skeptical for a moment, but then he smiles. Oh, I do you then. Yeah. What do you charge? Patrick does not have a going rate for anything other than making coffee or tending bar. But he says, $10. Per hour? Yeah, that sounds reasonable. And of course you can partake in all the refreshments and get in the pool. I don't care. So you have got a swimming pool? Yeah. I understand they're kind of commodity around here. It ain't real big, but it's big enough. A couple people can float in there, cool off. You don't have to go jump in the bayou, get eaten by an alligator. <laughs> Alright then. So I gotta curate the hell out of that guest list. Only invite the most banging hotties with the best personalities. Jimmy tosses a wink at Patrick. Like Caroline. And my best guy friend. So I gotta impress him, right? Be at the top of my game. And me and my boombox. My dad's disco records. I don't think we'll really cut it. So I gotta outsource to a greater talent. I'm only really good at a couple things. Anyway. Patrick stares at him. Deadpan, but amused. If there's something I can't do, I like to hire somebody I know to do it. Preferably a friend. Pat still looks a bit skeptical, but he smiles. He'll take it. Caroline returns with her auxiliary cable. Okay, I think this ought to be it. All right. Oi. Like a glove. Like a glove. Then Jimmy discovers why paying Patrick $10 an hour to DJ his pool party or anything would be an absolute steal. 
and paying him $10 flat, which is what Patrick was originally going for, would be almost criminal. Because he's really good at it. Playing with the bass treble levels, toying with the turntable's rotation speed to create different sounds, just instinctively and casually, with the nonchalance of someone who does this all the time and knows what sounds good and is interesting. Almost the way Jimmy has sex. Jimmy hadn't been expecting live mixing or anything like that. He thought Pat was just going to throw some shit on the turntable and make a playlist. And that would have been good enough for him. Then Pat does just let it go and spin out into the first song that has actual lyrics. Jimmy's into it. It's vibey. He's sitting with Caroline on the sofa. Then the song changes, and Patrick turns around holds out his hand for Caroline. Looking stoked, she happily accepts, stands up off the sofa, reaches out to take his hand, and he pulls her in. body language is very platonic, but at the same time, Jimmy suddenly understands why Caroline had thought she might end up dating Patrick, since he's so tender and considerate with her. Even at a forearm's distance, he looks at her with warmth, appreciation. She's very clearly his cherished friend. They dance slightly slower than the actual tempo of the song. Then he gives her the cue to spin around, but she misses it. He gives the cue again, but this time he demonstrates by spinning himself and then gesturing for her to do it again. So the next time they try, she picks up on it and literally spins out of time. But Patrick is no less pleased. He looks very proud of her for keeping up. They continue dancing, 
And Jimmy is reminded of the kids he saw dancing at the Harvard Prep School prom. He kind of wishes he could cut in, but he doesn't know the song, and he's a little stoned, and they obviously do know the song and are having such a good time, he wouldn't do it anyway. Then it also occurs to him he doesn't know which one of them he'd rather cut in on because he'd enjoy dancing with either of them. Near the end of the song, Caroline braces with both of her heels against the floor and dips herself over backwards. Pat is taken off guard and has to scramble to catch her, but he does, without missing a beat. And they're both very clearly extremely happy to pull this off. Before now, Jimmy couldn't have even imagined Pat smiling so much. Now Caroline can get the spin every time, and she even gets Pat to spin again too. Then they're freestyling. Patrick might not be the most innately talented dancer alive, but he has the ability and proficiency of someone who has been to many dance classes. Meanwhile, what Caroline lacks in polish, she makes up for in enthusiasm and drive. They turn to one another and mouth the words, Jimmy just watches them go. At the break in the song, they turn to one another and start compressing their hands, flexing their palms up towards the ceiling. They're just having a great time. They both pretend to fall over backwards a little bit. Now Jimmy's in. He wants to participate in this too. He gets himself up off the sofa, but right in time for Caroline to excuse herself towards the kitchen, trying to make herself a drink or something. And Pat's getting kind of aggressive out there by himself. He practically lunges towards Jimmy. And although he immediately takes a step back, in that moment where the dude was coming at him suddenly, Jimmy realizes he would never, ever want to physically fight Patrick. It kind of seems like the dude might know how to handle himself. He leans back in long enough to snap his fingers in Jimmy's face. Then he turns himself back around a little bit on his heel, dancing with himself, 
because he was trying to have a dance-off and realized Jimmy is too baked to match him at all. Fortunately for both of them and the vibe on the living room dance floor, Caroline rejoins them to bridge the gap. She's snapping her fingers, too, giggling. She hands her glass to Jimmy, and she and Pat twirl each other around while Jimmy takes a drink, just watches them. Pat steps towards him again. Jimmy is with it enough to step back in time and then step forward again, almost like he is also dancing, but he's not ready to keep up now either. Jimmy thinks he's ready. He can manage this. But even as he's getting started, he thinks maybe he has a little bit too much bump in his grind for these guys. And then Caroline gets in on it and starts throwing down. Jimmy did not realize before then that his lady had the moves of a hip-hop video girl. But she does. He watches her shimmying, and he finds it sexy because she's so enthusiastic in the same way she is for other physical activities they engage in together, but he feels like it's wholly innocent because she's not trying to be sexual or even that sensual. It just kind of is because it is. And Patrick doesn't find it uncomfortable. He's not a hip-hop video girl, but he gets a little shimmy on it. And then the three of them are just getting silly. Caroline mouths the words to Patrick again. And then she turns around and mouths them to Jimmy. He finds it trippy, as if a man's voice is coming out of her mouth, but it's also really, really cute to him. He hasn't been in a situation like this with anybody but Cole Bowden, or maybe some drunken random other bros that he didn't even like, for as long as he can remember. 
there they are, having a party, carefree for the moment, like a bunch of kids. When the song ends, so does the album. And Jimmy's a little disappointed. Is that it? Well, if you fancy, I can put it back on. Let it spin. Yeah, dude. I'd listen to that one again. And we just dance our ass off. Are you hungry? And then he's making his prison ramen. Serving it up to his friends. Pat's watching him. Intrigued. Have you got chopsticks? Yeah, dude, let me find them. With great delight, he ends up watching Patrick pick up a soft-boiled egg from his ramen, squeeze it with the chopsticks, watch the yolk ooze out, and the look on Pat's face just feels like a total touchdown. Jimmy's pleased to feel like he's accomplished more than he could have possibly expected. This is the best party I've thrown in a, a long time. You got no idea. <laughs>